Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Looks like Mama Brooks is a little nervous. A little flip and an easy six. Jeremiah Hall has got his second touchdown today. That was so good. That is so good for Rick and Miley. And this is why so many of us that love Oklahoma, Texas, the Red River rivalry is upon us. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. I'm Matt, along with Rich. Let's talk about some uh, things Oklahoma-wise. Big, big decisions coming up on the recruiting trail uh, for the Sooners. They could be about to land not one, not two, but three big-time defensive prospects for the 2022 recruiting cycle. Uh, and then there's the, you know, there's only three Big 12 games this weekend, but one of them is uh, pretty significant in Dallas, Texas, at the State Fair, Sooners and Longhorns. Thanks for coming along the ride with us. Rich, we got to start with uh, Gentry Williams announces that he is re- going to make his recruiting announcement on October 18th, which will be subsequently just a few days after um, Gabriel Brown Lodindi makes his announcement. And as far as Gentry Williams goes, I, I just looked at this this morning before we started recording, even more crystal ball predictions. I was going to point out there that he's getting more crystal ball predictions, but just today we're recording this uh, on October 7th, a Thursday. Uh, Arkansas insider Denny West says Gentry Williams is coming to Oklahoma. 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst Greg Biggins says Gentry Williams is coming to Oklahoma. And then you flip over to his buddy, the other guy we talked about, Chris McClellan, who has not, to, to my knowledge, set a time for him to make his recruitment. But he gets at two more crystal ball predictions since the last time we talked about him. And it's, again, it's from... It's from the guys that cover the teams that Oklahoma's recruiting against. So uh, Cody Nagel from uh, Oklahoma State Insider and then uh, Gerald Martinez, USC Insider, pointing out that uh, Chris McClellan coming to OU. So you put Gabriel Brown-Lodendi, you put Gentry Williams, you put Chris McClellan all in this class, and I think you got a top five class. Hands down, you would have a top five class. You're looking at Oklahoma picking up a lot of momentum in the realm of recruiting, With these individual recruits, we know about Gentry Williams. We've talked about his recruitment process and how he committed to the University of Oklahoma. Backed off of that commitment, it looks as though that is imminent. At this point in time, his recommitment to the university. Needless to say, Matt, this is is a class that has a lot of talent. It's a class that's looking to add talent and then of course everybody wants to talk about 2023 Uh in which they're really really starting to build something and i have to go back to one of the things that you and i had previously talked about which is that oklahoma seems as though sure in the big 12 they they've basically been a dynasty Mm -hmm. but they're looking at building something on a national level that move to the sec a lot of people they're predicting that it will only boost or bolster the recruiting efforts because everybody wants to play in what many consider to be the best conference in the country and play against the best teams each and every week, 
in an attempt to make that jump from the collegiate the collegiate world into the NFL as a professional and get paid to do something that one you've spent a lot of time on, but two something that you love. And I honestly think this is just the beginning for Oklahoma, assuming they can maintain one single name on this coaching staff, and that's Alex Grinch. Well, I think Brian Odom is doing a lot no, as no, no. well. No, no, no. I don't disagree with you I there. Just, I mean, I get what you're saying. And this is this is going to be a big year for Alex Grinch because, you know, Arizona came knocking on the door last year. And you know, the defense, I think – I know there's, there's, there's always room for criticism, okay? So don't get me wrong here. But I think the defense is taking another step forward again this year, which is going to make him even more – of a commodity and the the further Oklahoma goes without a loss, again, you just start looking down the well, there's not an offensive coordinator to plug because that's Lincoln Riley. So who's the next guy? Or well, the Alex Grinch, because they've made such a big, big step defensively over the last three years. So Oklahoma's gonna have to pay him, but also Alex Grinch is gonna have to come to a point where it, it's the Brent Venables factor. Does he wanna be a head coach? Because you, it's one of those strike while the iron's hot type things. Brent Venables was okay not being a head coach. He was okay being the the co-head coach. You know, he's okay being that guy in the background and making a lot of money. And and that's what Brent Venables has done. We're, we've reached a stage of, of college athletics where a, a guy, a high-profile coordinator, I mean, he's already making over a million dollars a year. So you can already make the type of money that you would make if you took over a lesser program, you know, Mm -hmm. but if you want to be a head coach at some point, you got to step out. Is that this year for Alex Grinch? I don't know. Um, There are some things that we'll get into when we talk about the defense that I'm a little uncomfortable with Alex Grinch and this defense. But the point is, I, I think you, you look at what Calvin Thibodeau is doing. He's, he's taking the lead on, on Gabriel Brown, Lodindi. You look at Brian Odom, if Alex Grinch were to leave, I think Brian Odom becomes the top candidate to replace him. That's just my my two cents on this. Um, October 12th is the, the date for Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy, and then October 18th, six days later, for Gentry Williams. Should make for a, a fun podcast here in a couple weeks as we update Oklahoma's 2022 recruiting. Uh, right now, the Sooners are number two in the Big 12, number 12 nationally. Uh, according to 24-7 Sports, 14 commitments in this class. Eight of those 14 are four-star recruits. But again, I think the Sooners take a really, really big step forward in this class if they get these three guys. So let's talk about football in Texas, shall we? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It'll be a top 25 affair at the Cotton Bowl. The Sooners and the Longhorns tangling it up in Dallas. Oklahoma, number six nationally. Texas, number 21 nationally. The Sooners, 5-0, 2-0 in conference. The Longhorns, 4-1, excuse me, 2-0 in conference. I, 
you know, you and I have talked about the defenses that Oklahoma's played. We talked about Nebraska. Was West Virginia better or worse than Nebraska? Was Kansas State better or worse than West Virginia? And I think when you look at this defensive matchup for Oklahoma, their offense against the Longhorn defense, clearly Western Carolina was a worse defense. I mean, that's not even in the conversation. But I think Texas is probably on par with Tulane. I, I don't. I, I think Texas is going to get some stops. I don't. I don't know that this is going to be a game where we don't see Turk come out and punt the ball. But I do think that Oklahoma moves the ball and moves the ball efficiently against this this Longhorn defense. I don't know where to place them. Let me lead with that comment. I don't know where to place Texas, and largely when you look at what what Arkansas was capable of doing against this Texas defense. It seems as though there was a lot left on the field. There was, I I don't know, a lot, a lack of understanding potentially of how to actually defend a guy like KJ Jefferson, a big yet mobile quarterback who completely changes the dynamic of the game when he is in on offense. Um, but really, Matt, when we look at what defenses are trying to do against this this Oklahoma offense, it's not the biggest concern for me what the defense is doing. The bigger concern has been what the offenses are doing in attempting to limit the number of offensive possessions that Oklahoma gets. And mm-hmm. we've seen that. Sure, Tulane, not necessarily. Um, we didn't see that against WCU. Either I think it was 12 offensive possessions against Tulane, it bumped up to 13 or 14 against WCU, and then it's dwindled yeah. to eight or nine. Well, three in the first the half against yeah. Kansas State. Yeah, in the in the past uh, three games now, we've just seen that number dwindle. And again, it's not because of what the defenses are doing, but we also have to consider Oklahoma's offense, which we're <laughs> we're not talking about. You okay there? Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, you, Texas Texas has given up nearly 400 yards to opposing offenses this season per game. 394.4. They're giving up 24 points per game. And and on, on, on the surface, those aren't terrible. But then you look at against Arkansas. Arkansas had 333 rushing yards against this Texas right. defense. Mm-hmm. All the Longhorn fans are like, yeah, but we got a shutout, man. We we shut out, blah, 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 you know? Okay, good. You shut out Rice, okay? You shut out Rice. I'm going to give you that. I'm not taking any credit in Oklahoma's shutout win over Western Carolina, but if you want to take credit of shutting out Rice, okay, but explain to me how you give up 324 passing yards to the backup quarterback for Texas Tech. Not the starting quarterback, but the backup quarterback. So you got 333 rushing yards to the Hogs. You got 324 passing yards to Texas Tech. I, I think, again, when you're looking at the grand scheme of things on the defenses that Oklahoma has played, clearly to me, between Nebraska, West Virginia, and Kansas State, I think I would put this Texas team behind all three of those. That's fair by me. Um, like I said, I'm sticking with my guns here, Matt, and I, I don't really know where this Texas team falls. What I will say about about Texas and what they've they've seemingly done well here is they've attempted to limit the big plays. And when we look at what, what Texas is capable of doing, when we look at the talent that's on the roster, that mm-hmm. should be a given. Because Texas is one of the most talented teams in the conference. It's been really the coaching staff that have – 
had the most complaints rain down upon them and how they've handled that talent. It's all about putting players in a position to succeed. And for years now, Texas seemingly hasn't done that. I'm thinking, and I haven't fully bought in to this statement that Texas is back despite the ranking, despite the preseason ranking, as well as the ranking that they hold now uh, next to their name. But Texas is seemingly turning a corner and it all begins not just with with the rushing attack, but it begins with this defense and limiting the big play capabilities of some of these teams. And Matt, I, I have to go back to what you're saying, though. When you do look at Texas Tech, it didn't seem like they were limiting the big plays. Now, Texas Tech's putting up the the most amount of 40 plus yard plays mm-hmm. in the conference. In fact, I, I think that number would extend down to even 20 plus Yard plays. So you know that Texas Tech has that big play capability. It's how how often can you limit them and, and can you get by them right. or at least have an offense and a defense to one, an offense to keep pace, but two, a defense to slow it down. So again, just when I look at Texas, that's going to be the key point for me moving forward is is seeing how they're going to limit the whether it's on the ground or whether it's through the air. Are they going to continue to limit big plays and keep things in front of them? Well, and well, I mean, time time will tell. I, I think when you get into the keys for success for Oklahoma, to me, offensively, the, the number one thing that they have to do is they have to be balanced. We've talked about running the pass. We've talked about passing the run. I do think you, you have to establish a running game against Texas. I think if Oklahoma doesn't establish a running game based on the numbers that we've just talked about, then it's a bad day for the Sooners. But they've got to stay balanced. They, I, theoretically, when, when this Texas team, when you look at what they're giving up yards per game, you look at what they're giving up in the air, you look at what they're giving up on, on the ground, then you should be able to – I mean, you, you should be able to run the ball, but you also should find some success – Passing the ball, even in loss last week, TCU averaged 4.1 yards per carry and had almost 170 yards on the ground, which is what they're giving up on average. Texas, they're giving up 170 on the ground per game. TCU had 169. So you got to be balanced to me. To me, the very first key is you got to be balanced because you want Texas to not focus, you know, on on one thing. You want them kind of on their heels guessing and when you're able to be balanced and you, you can run the ball and pass the ball, then you really open up that playbook. And we've talked about this so many times. And people have listened to our podcast for, for several seasons going, Matt, you always say this. And I say it because it's true. When you're balanced, every play is available to you in the playbook. When you're heavy on the pass, heavy on the run, then every play is not available in the playbook. When, when you're balanced, those swing passes and the RPOs and the, the receiver going in motion, all of that matters more because you're able to run and pass the ball efficiently. Go go back to um, the touchdown play last week with, uh, with Jeremiah Hall, the running touchdown, first running touchdown of his career. But he's lined up on the wing. And he gets the ball coming, coming towards, you know, coming back towards Spencer Rattler. He gets the ball in motion and runs in for a touchdown. That play happened for two reasons. Number one, because Jaden Hazelwood just had a nasty, nasty block that took out three defenders. But number two, they were balanced. They were balanced in their attack, and Kansas State was kind of back on its heels. They they couldn't load the box because they were passing so well, but they also couldn't uh, they couldn't play nickel dime type situations because Oklahoma was running so well, and so. To, all that says to me, if you can do that against Kansas State, I really feel like you can do that against the Texas Longhorns. And that's where breaking down this offense 
it starts for me is you got to be balanced. The the number one point for me, Matt, is that Oklahoma's offense is going to have to remain efficient. Um, we've really hit on, I have, and I know that you're buying into this. <coughs> it, you have to buy in because of what you're seeing each and every week. It seems as though the blueprint was laid for this Oklahoma offense and how to attack it. And that is slow, methodical offensive possessions of your own while limiting again mm -hmm. the big plays on the defensive side of the ball when we look at oklahoma matt i say that they need to remain efficient largely because the limited number of offensive possessions also are going to limit the output on the scoreboard so right. oklahoma has to take advantage they have to not be cautious with what they're doing but they have to know where those chains are and how to move them each in every set of downs that they're granted in this game to remain efficient. Doesn't matter if they're scoring field goals. Doesn't matter if they're scoring touchdowns to me, but they need to score on more drives than they don't. And when I, when I give that number, it needs to be closer to 80 scoring on 80% of the drives and potentially leaving 20% of the punts out there. So remaining efficient <clears throat> and continuing to move the ball up and down the field is is going to be the the top key for me for this Oklahoma offense against the Texas defense. Well, efficiency is one of my keys as well, and I'm not I I don't want to repeat everything that you just said other than to say what we talked about after the Kansas State game was putting the team behind the the eight ball so to speak. You know, if if OU gets the ball first, you absolutely have to score on that opening possession because if a team's playing from behind, it limits or totally removes their ability to kind of slow play that, you know, to 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 do those long sustained drives. And I, I've got some thoughts on that as well uh, when we come out on the defensive side of this podcast. But Oklahoma is an offense that's scoring 38.4 points per game coming into this game. They need to be in that range, I, in my opinion. If they're in that range on Saturday, then I think they're they're pretty darn efficient in in what they're doing. Um, so I I agree with you. So I'm just going to move to my my final one, and this is not going to be a surprise to anybody who who listens to this podcast. Um, they got to play clean, and they got to not turn the ball over. And I'm going to address the play clean first because this is the Cotton Bowl. This it wasn't it wasn't 100% capacity last year. It'll be 100% capacity this year. Texas is ranked. That it, it, it's this the way the crowd, the way the crowd. If you ever been to this game, the way the crowd works on the Oklahoma side is pretty steady every year. I, I've been going to the OU Texas game since about 1997, so I've seen the John Blake years. I've seen the early Bob Stoops years. You know, I've seen the Lincoln Riley years. I, I, the, the Oklahoma crowd is pretty consistent. The Texas crowd, it base, it's based on the number in front of their their name. So if there's a number there, which there is this year, they're 21st. If there's a number there, that crowd is different. And so those false start penalties, they're huge. They, 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 it is, it's crazy to say this, but it's true. A 50-50 crowd in the Cotton Bowl will be more intimidating than the crowd that they had in Manhattan last week. Those false start penalties, you got to play clean. Those will be drive killers in this game. Absolutely. Depending on which end of the Cotton Bowl you're on, those can be absolute drive killers in this game. So you got to play clean. And and then you got to not turn the ball over. And I know everyone's going to talk about Spencer Rattler, the arm punt, and the turnover last week. I get it. That said, that's a different situation in this game. 
because of the electricity of the crowd, because of the, the momentum shifts that go from one side to the other. And, and keep this in mind, Texas, Texas won at TCU last week. Horn Frogs turned the ball over three times. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that TCU upsets Texas without those three turnovers. I can guarantee you that game is a lot less comfortable for the Longhorns if TCU doesn't commit three turnovers. So play clean, don't turn the ball over. That's my third and final um, key for Oklahoma's offense. I'm going to give you just one more as a follow-up to that. Um, and it really is in the same vein of what you're talking about, and it's that this Oklahoma offense needs to have the memory of a goldfish. That's the saying, right? Yeah, like yeah, a goldfish people say that. Uh-huh. When I look at the penalties that Oklahoma has already committed, Matt, it's 60 yards per game. You've mentioned it. Just how drive-killing those penalties can be, those mental lapses and those mistakes. I've come to terms with this idea is that those aren't going to go away. I've come to terms with the idea that this is Oklahoma and the offensive line more specifically. They're not going to play a a 100% perfect game. Mm -hmm. They can get close to it, but those mistakes are going to happen. We also have to remember that this is an emotional game and what we saw out of the offensive line against Kansas state emotions, came into play. I'm not saying that Matt, the, the penalties are going to happen during the play. I'm more worried about the unsportsmanlike conduct or contact after the play in order to send a message. And so when I look at the mistakes that are made, that's why I'm saying I've come to terms with those aren't going away. This is a team that I would rather see that from. I would rather see them be aggressive. I'd rather more specifically, we're talking about the offensive line. I'd rather see them be the aggressor then simply be passive and respond to what's happening on the other side of the field from the defensive line. So knowing that those mistakes are potentially coming, knowing that they're potentially <laughs> you're just bracing for impact. Ending, basically what I'm saying is just, just have the memory of a goldfish and get in there, play level headed for the next play, but, but play on the edge because the, ultimately I think that's what, that's what we've been craving. It's what we've been clamoring for is this team to play on the edge without going over it? It just hasn't happened yet. I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I just don't think I can get on board with the idea that, yeah, we're just going to play sloppy. I mean, no, no, a, no, don't play sloppy. No, but you're saying the penalties are going to happen. That's playing sloppy. If you're, just, you're, you're accepting the fact that these penalties are going to happen. I can't do that. There's you. I can accept the fact that you're just not, as good as we thought you were going to be physically, you can't do your job. I can accept that we had you up here, but the reality is your level play is right here. Okay. I can live with that. What I can't live with is, okay, I'm just, this is me. I'm Tyrese Robinson and three times a game, I'm going to do a false start penalty that, that see, that's mental. (laughs) That's, that's your approach to the game. Those are things that if you can't fix that, then you need to get off the offensive line. I, I I can't live in that world. Penalties happen. They're a part of the game. Holding penalties happen. They're a part of the game. False start penalties happen. They're a part of the game. Personal fouls, part of the game. It happens. But it shouldn't consistently happen from the same guy. And that's the point I'm making. I can't get on board with the fact that, yeah, so, we're just so, we're just going to do it. So that's, let's just prepare. It's like kind of like, you know, I, I know I'm going to get a speeding ticket, so I'm just going to put this part in my budget for the month to cover the cost. No, just don't speed, okay? It's really that simple. You know the snap count. 
Hold your water. Yeah, all eleven of you should. So anyway, doesn't that's... always doesn't always play out that way. But I want to revisit a quick conversation here because was this Sunday in our recap portion of the the previous game? You singled out Tyrese Robinson, saying, "Is he the best offensive lineman?" Uh-huh. Uh, in a true or false segment. Do you believe that he's the best? I really do. Lineman? I I think you, you singled him out is why I'm asking. No, I because he's he gets singled out for two reasons, and you really don't want to be singled out for because one. Because he's the best. Yeah, he gets singled out because fundamentally, technique. He's the best Oklahoma's thrown out there. Now I, he doesn't have the highest ceiling in my opinion, but right now through five games, he has played the best of Oklahoma's offensive linemen. So he's singled out for that reason, but he's also singled out because. He's always getting flagged. And so those are things that you just, again, you got to, you got to take a deep breath. (laughs) You know, you got to be patient. But when you play with confidence, there's an eagerness to you, right? Mm -hmm. And, and it's different for um, the, the, in my opinion, the one guy, there's two guys who really should never be called for a false start penalty. The one, number one, is the quarterback, right? The quarterback should never – it happens, and it's a massive brain fart when it does. But the quarterback should never get called, okay, because he actually has to wait for the ball to get to him to start the play. The second guy that should never get called is the running back because there's a, a few things that have to happen before he starts his play. There's a little bit of patience. Yeah, even, even if he's getting the ball, he's got to wait for the snap to see the gap you know, A gap, B gap, wherever he's going and read a linebacker. Typically that's what he does. So then you got your outside guys, your receivers, and you got your linemen. And when those receivers and the linemen are playing with confidence, they know they're going to beat their guy. They know it. I'm confidently going to beat you on my first two steps off the line of scrimmage to get it down the seam or get across the middle, whatever, from the receiver position. Or I'm going to beat you on the offensive line, and I'm going to move you wherever I want to take you. You have no choice in where you're going on this play. You're going to go where I want you to go. Those guys play with a little bit of of eagerness. There's an edge there, but there's an eagerness. And I believe that's why Tyrus Robinson is jumping off sides. He's getting the false – not off sides. That's a defensive penalty. He's getting the false start. Because he knows. He knows he's going to beat that guy, right? And this is what scares me. Um, on the other side of the ball now, when we get into defense, Texas is going to have a redshirt freshman on their offensive line. So now I'm worried about the defensive guys doing the same thing that Tyrese Robinson's been no, doing. No, 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 no. So that, all that said, um, I, I think you got to play clean. I, I, don't, I don't think you accept – we're just going to get penalties. I just, I don't, I, I can't buy into that, but that's neither here nor there. All right. So give me, uh, you want to do bold predictions offensively or you want to do players to watch? Let's Which go, one? Let's go players to watch first. All right. For, so for me, it's Kennedy Brooks. I, I said last week that uh, he would be Oklahoma's leading rusher against Kansas state. That was my bold prediction. Now he's the guy because you need, you need Kennedy Brooks. Now I know I said everything about being balanced. Kennedy Brooks is your key to balance. And I think, well, I'll save it for the bold prediction. I have two bold predictions, so I'm going to save that, what I was about to say. But my player to watch, Kennedy Brooks, I, I, I want him to be north of 75 yards rushing on Saturday against Texas because he's not going to get all the shares, all the, all the, all the carries. He's probably going to get the lion's share of the carries, but I think Oklahoma rushes for more than 100 yards against this, uh, against this Texas team. But Kennedy Brooks, he's my guy. 
four and a half yards of carry is the floor for me and 75 yards north of that for rushing yards. Kennedy Brooks. I'm uh, looking, can I say it again? Kennedy Brooks. I'm looking in the opposite direction in saying that we saw not necessarily an evolution of Marvin Mims, but we saw him begin to return to form, mm-hmm. find his way, or work his way. Do you, do you to, know why? To being open. Do you know why? Go for it. Because they were balanced on offense. Sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to They were balanced on offense. I, I do think Marvin Mims is a player to watch. I think he's playing angry at this point in time. And it's it has nothing to do with the lack of targets. It has nothing to do with the lack of yardage. It has everything to do with not being satisfied with where they're at. And I think Marvin Mims, based upon what he did last year and ex- the expectations of continuing that trajectory into this season and how they just haven't happened, saying, you know what, I- I'm going to get out there and, and I'm going to make things happen. So I do think he's playing angry. I think, again, when you come into this rivalry game, Marvin Mims already has one under his belt. He knows what it's about. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he's going to be possibly the I- – I say possibly, but the truth is is – I think he's the only starting receiver besides Drake Stoops who has played in this game. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, and be, that's where we're going to count Mike that. Woods, like, yeah. And it'd be Jaden Hazelwood. Right. Uh, I I'm think Jaden Hazelwood played as a freshman. Hmm. I think. Okay. Well, that was thorough. Pretty, pretty sure he did. Yeah. I'm still going with the argument. Okay. It doesn't matter at this point in time. Works for me. Um, just like I said, Marvin Mims, the emotions of the game, he's out to prove something. And I think because of that, he continues to work himself open and, and has yet another big game. He's my player to watch. Okay, so give me a – I've got two bold predictions. I don't know how many you have. You have one or two or three or four. I can make up as 15. many as we need to if we're being right. honest. Well, I've got two, so uh, I'll let you go first. Yeah. And I'm, then you can think about your second one while I'm giving you my first one. So my first one my first one is this, and it's because it hasn't happened. We've talked about it um, for so long, Matt. I feel like it's been a consistent presence here in – these bold predictions. But the truth of the matter is if there was a game where it was going to happen, this is the game for me that it happens in. And it's that you finally have a rusher break the hundred. Oh, no, you're I not knew, taking that from me. I sure am. I think you've said it every week. So this week's <laughs> my turn. You, you have your hundred yard rusher for the first time this season mm. as in a sing in a singular entity, not as a group, not as a pair, but in a singular entity, you have a hundred yard rusher. And I, I do have to agree with you back to your player to watch that it is Kennedy Brooks who's the likely candidate for that. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna expand on that um, because I wasn't gonna go with a whole hundred yard rusher because uh, you know, you said I've thrown that out there so many times. But here's my bold prediction. My number one is Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray will combine for 200 all-purpose yards. 200. That's that's running and receiving. 200 all-purpose yards between Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray. The second bold prediction that I'm going to come up with. You got no comment on that. You're just looking at me like, okay, whatever. I don't. don't. I'm sorry. (laughs) Did I need to? No, no. You just kind of gave me that look like you're crazy. So that's it. I just. Do you think I'm crazy for that? No. Okay. Not at all. I mean, bold predictions are bold for a reason, This is true. This is true. So we we have to throw things out there that are obtainable, Uh but also seem illogical. Okay. And just live in that live in that that that, that middle uh, on that limbo. Okay, uh-huh. here we go. Limbo. Pff, what am I talking about? Slack line. That's what I'm looking for. Hey, let's get your number two. My number two. You don't want it. <laughs> My number two is Matt. I I I just have this this innate feeling 
that Oklahoma is only going to punt once per half. So two punts for Michael Turk. Two punts for Michael Turk. And he's going to average 57.3 yards. Two for the whole game. 57.3 yards is his average on the two punts. It's a bold prediction. I'm just saying. 57.3. Write it down. He'll average 57.3 yards per Is that kick. bold enough? Do I need to bump it down to one? No. I only punt once in I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy who didn't punt at all last week. Mm-hmm. So I, if you're saying he's going to punt twice this week, that doubles his production <laughs> from last week. So um, here's my second one is that I think Oklahoma will have three plays, at least three plays of 30 yards or more in this game. Maybe even 40 yards or more, but at least three plays of 30 yards or offensive plays of at least 30 yards or more in this game. This is this is where I, I think Leakin Riley is going to run the ball effectively, and I think he's going to go over the top. And so th- three plays of at least 30 yards or more Get it, Marvin Mims. In, in this game. And yeah, it'd be nice if it was Marvin Mims. All right, true or false coming up. Richard's asking the questions, and they are all Red River rivalry. See, it's hard to say. Red River rivalry related. We got that next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, Matt, in a game that has national title implications, at least in terms of the conversation. Does it? It does. For for both teams or just one? Look, for Oklahoma at number six in the AP poll, they're in the conversation right now. Okay, okay. Texas is attempting to get there, and I I don't think one loss takes you out of the conversation just as yet. long as cincinnati's undefeated it does okay i'll <laughs> give up on that one <laughs> we know still though that this does have national title implications for oklahoma and i want to get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty here with you on this true or false segment as all of these questions are going to pertain to the game in and of itself and maybe the game within the game if we can use that terminology sure for football. I so use it all the time. I'm going to jump right in with this one then. All right. When we look at this game, you know, the 117th iteration of the Red River rivalry, and we're looking at a game that has historically been claimed, at least in terms of victory, has been claimed by a team that runs the ball well mm-hmm. and runs the ball better than their opponent in the Cotton Bowl. Right now, Texas is averaging 268.6 yards per game, while Oklahoma is averaging 155 on the ground. True or false, this number inherently gives Texas an edge in this game. Wow, that's a good, that's a good way to start. Um, it's true based on principle. 
All right. <laughs> so if we go into this game in Texas, B. John Robinson rushes for over 200 yards, it's going to be a bad day for Oklahoma's defense. But the flip side of that is, why are you running the ball? Okay, not not to take away from Bijan Robinson, but you're running the ball because you you're it's your bread and butter. Well, it's your bread and butter, but also you're you you're lacking playmakers on the edges with your receivers. You're you're breaking in a new quarterback in in Casey Thompson. Um, so I'm not trying to take anything away from Bijan Robinson. I he's better than I expected him to be. You know, I I know Oklahoma. He kind of had more interest in Oklahoma than Oklahoma had interest in him. I don't understand that dynamic, but it is what it is. Um, he's talented. He's he's the most talented back Oklahoma has seen to this point in the season. Maybe the most talented back they see all season long. I I, I don't know yet. There's still a, a a guy in West Texas that's uh, that's I think is is pretty spectacular as well, and Sir Roderick Thompson. But all that said, all that said, in principle, yes, if those averages hold, it's a better day for Texas offensively than it is for Oklahoma. But I could flip it back at you and say Oklahoma is allowing less than 100 yards per game on the ground. Texas is allowing almost 170 yards per game on the ground. So, therefore, that favors Oklahoma. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I absolutely. Could, I could throw that back at you. But in principle, this is true. In principle, the, those if those stats that you threw out hold true, then Oklahoma's in trouble. I can't disagree with that. I I don't know, Matt, that this one is decided by the team that runs the ball better. Um, I definitely think it will be. That's just me. I, I, I think it will be. I, I'm not saying it's not going to be a factor in this game by any stretch of the imagination, but I am looking at, at two teams that I don't expect, and we're going to get to this, I don't expect to have many chances to score, which is why this one remains close. It's why that betting line is hovering right around the field goal mark. You've got a kicker in Gabe Burkich who seemingly can hit hit the field the uprights. Okay, let me rephrase that. Split the uprights. Split the uprights from anywhere on the field inside of the 50 at this point in time, and we know Dicker the kicker is still alive and well for this Texas. Now he actually team. did hit the uprights though against TCU. <laughs> Just gonna throw it out there. He actually did hit the uprights. So, Matt, this one. We'll, we'll get to this, like I said, but I think special teams may have a bigger okay. deciding factor over, oh, I agree with over that. the yeah, rushing. I, I'm with you on that, but I, I do want to help you with something because you're talking about the betting line being three and a half. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily indicative of what Las Vegas thinks these two teams can score. Yeah. You yeah. look at the over-under, and mm-hmm. over-under is 63 and a half, so they think that these teams are going to score points. Um, now, there's, there's for example, uh, Baylor, West Virginia, over-under is 44 and a half. Uh, TCU, Texas Tech, the over under 60 and TCU, Texas Tech, over under 60 and a half. And so they think that this game, just based off over under, could be the highest scoring game in the Big 12. So all that out there, that's how that's how Matt's brain works when it talks about <laughs> looking at the scoring potential for a team. Hey, I'm just going to go into number two here because you you started to hit on this in fact you made a statement Uh-oh. that was my true or false i got ahead of you didn't i my my true or false statement number two but it really comes down to b john robinson and right. i agree he's an incredible running back possibly the best running back in the conference and this is a conference remember that is still home to Brees hall yeah who was easily one of the best running backs in the country last year 
Oklahoma's already faced Letty Brown, top 10 in rushing in the conference. They've already faced Deuce Vaughn. I mean, everybody's top 10, are they not? There's only 10 teams. Well, yeah, it's, it's okay, true. Okay, sorry. But, I'm but, still your thunder. My bad. But there, there are some <laughs> other names. I, I'm going to go and pull this up now <laughs> just because you brought that up. But when we're looking, okay, should I say so, top five? Okay, Lady top Brown, five top, top way five. better, way better than top Man, ten. Man, I got I to jump I mean, into these. By that, by that category, <laughs> Spencer Sanders is a top ten quarterback in the Big 12. <laughs> well, Baylor's got two in the top ten, so not everybody's going to okay, make the cut right, if, you, fair if enough, you're a starter. Fair enough. Okay, Oklahoma barely makes the cut. And then <laughs> Kansas at, down there, number ten with Jason Bean, who is a quarterback, right. by the way, mm. cracking the top ten in rushing yards. Bijan Robinson, Matt, like I said, incredible running back. But Oklahoma's already faced Letty Brown, who I think is a pretty good running back yeah. in his own right. They they've already faced Deuce Vaughn, mm-hmm. who is possibly the most dangerous individual in the conference when given space to maneuver in. Right. Still heading into this Texas game and about to face Bijan Robinson, it's not true or false. Robinson's not the most electric, and I want you to key in on that word: electric, not talented, not mm-hmm. productive is not the most electric back that Oklahoma in this defense will face this season. Well, that's true. Coming from the standpoint of the running and the passing game. Now, he is involved in the passing Mm -hmm. game. I think he has two or three receiving touchdowns for the Longhorns this season. But is he Deuce Vaughn? No. Is he Brees Hall? No. His major threat is to run the ball against you. You have to account Mm -hmm. for him in the passing game. And then you have to, when you get a shot at him, you have to bring him down or at least hold on to him because he can jive. He can juke. He can, he can kind of, it, it's not always going to be the point of attack that you're going to get him. But as far as what running backs do in the big 12, I, I know this is not that there's a lot of Texas fans who are going to listen to our podcast, but if you're talking about being electric from the standpoint of all around, all purpose, I'd take Eric Gray over B. John Robinson. Because Eric Gray is a much better receiver than what Robinson is. Now, if I just need someone to line up and get me four yards on third and third and three and a half, I want Bijan Robinson 99 out of 100 times. I may go Kennedy Brooks just once and see what happens. <laughs> but the point I'm making is, what, getting the job done. He's superior at getting the job done when it comes to running the ball. Yeah, being a threat on other facets. I think there's other guys in the Big 12 that I would take over him if I need a if I need a swinger receiver out to catch a pass. I think B. John Robinson can do that, but I know that other guys in the Big 12 can do that better than him. I'm I'm just waiting for the name Zach Evans to fall out of your mouth. But see, I, I don't know that Zach Evans is 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 the one of the better guys in that area either. Zach Evans to me is a lot more like B. John Robinson than he is a Deuce Vaughn or a Eric Gray. That's just I watched him. I watched both of these guys play last week. And Zach Evans, I, I I think Gary Patterson is shooting himself in the foot by not giving Zach Evans more touches. But I think uh, I, on a on a quote electricity electric mm-hmm. I don't know what the word I'm trying to electricity level you know uh, can they do all purpose? Zach Evans may be a notch above Bijan Robinson, but again I would I would take Deuce Vaughn. To me the all purpose guy in the Big Twelve give me Deuce Vaughn. You sure you want to do that though? If I need a guy that hey, can run, hey, I'm just gonna give you numbers, okay? Based solely okay, on numbers. Okay. Yeah. Give me, give me numbers. Deuce Vaughn, five point nine yards per carry. Yards per play. Okay. Where, whether that's receiving, okay, or, or whether yeah, that's, yeah, I get it. That's running uh-huh. ball, five point nine. Bijan Robinson, seven point one. Right, but because his his running average. Zach Evans. 
8.4. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but now, if you go back and look at those numbers, what I look at is, I already said, Bijan Robinson, if I need four yards, I want that him to be my guy. But Deuce Vaughn had 100 yards receiving against Oklahoma last week. Deuce Vaughn, the running right. back, 100 yards receiving. Oh, I know. That's the guy I want in an all-purpose situation. That's the point I'm making. <laughs> I get you. I'm just throwing a monkey and uh, a wrench into the system here. Oh, I get it. I get it. Okay. For the sake of argument, but, man, we'll go ahead and jump down to number three then for Oklahoma. And we've already talked extensively about this, so I'm not going to give you an explanation. We've looked at the 8.3 offensive possessions over the past three games. Mm -hmm. We know that it's a limiting factor to this offense. It's very rarely talked about from a fan standpoint in saying we want more points on the board. Uh It's very rarely, and I know Marvin Mims' dad, Marvin Mims Sr., went on record saying something needs to change. People, I think, took that a little bit out of context because I don't disagree. Something has to change. If the system's broken, don't don't just drive it into the ground. Fix it. And Lincoln Riley has that capability, whereas a lot of other people were saying, oh, you just think your son needs to be more involved right. in the offensive schematics. That's not what he was saying at all. We're looking at the, the 8.3 offensive possessions per game. True or false, you're taking the under on that one in this game. No, I, I was false because um, – and I was going to wait till we talked about Oklahoma's defense to get into this. Mm-hmm. Here, here's what – here's why I think it's false. Because – and can we just say uh, 8.5 instead of 8.3? Just round it up yeah, a little bit fine. because that means 8, you lose, 9, you win. You know, because uh, you're not going to get 8.5 ca- uh, possessions in a game mm-hmm. unless you count like the, like the last 30 seconds before a half or whatever. Anyway. We're not, we're not counting Cha- kneel downs here. Chasing Kneel trip. downs don't count. Chasing rabbits here. Here's why I think it's false. To, to attack Oklahoma's off defense the way Kansas State, the way West Virginia, and the way Nebraska did it, it requires patience. I, I don't see Steve Sarkeesian as being a patient guy. He wants the big play. He thrives on the big play. He thrives on taking those shots downfield. He's going to run Robinson right up the middle on you. He's going to run Robinson left tackle on you, and then he's going to try to throw with Casey Thompson 40 yards downfield. And so because of that, I think the potential will be higher for Oklahoma either to get stops and force punts or to get turnovers. I think what I'm saying is I don't know that Sarkeesian has the patience to grind it out against Oklahoma. I really don't. He wants points. He wants flash and dash. You know, all gas, no brakes. That does not that, – that, to me, that statement doesn't express confidence and patience, okay? All gas, no brakes? Well, we're not going to be patient then. So because of that, I think Oklahoma has more than eight and a half possessions in this game. Texas with 14 30-plus yard plays from the line of scrimmage, giving credence to what you're saying about the desire to throw mm-hmm. or at least to open large enough holes using a little bit of misdirection to get the defense moving in one direction while the running backs moving the opposite and gaining large chunks of yardage. I agree with you. It opens Texas up to potential turnovers. It's why I'm also saying that Oklahoma will get more than their average in terms of offensive possessions. So you agree with me this on this game. one? Then. I do okay. wholeheartedly. And I know we'll get there here in a moment as we begin to talk about the, the Oklahoma defense and what they're going to be capable of or what we believe they're capable of. Because at the end of the day, we're sitting here talking about hypotheticals and what might transpire 
in this game, but nobody knows if, if we're guessing right until we see the product right. on the field. So, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And it, I've mentioned special teams, Matt, and how I think this is potentially one of the biggest factors in the game. So I did dig up some numbers for number four for me. Oklahoma and Texas are sitting in the mid-60s in terms of um, kickoffs that are touchbacks. Mm-hmm. That's not an extremely high number. It means there's opportunity to return some of those kicks. I'm not saying that what happened last week against Kansas State is going to happen in favor of Oklahoma or against right. Oklahoma. I'm just saying there's opportunity. There's opportunity in other areas of special teams as well. So just to give you a softball here, since we've already talked about it, true or false, special teams plays a major role in the, in deciding the outcome of this contest. No, I think it's true, and um, and we, we talked about the kickers. You know, you got Cameron Dicker, you got Gabe Burkich, two of the the better kickers, two, the two best. Can we just say they're the two best kickers in the Big Twelve? And Oklahoma fans may get upset with this, but I think you can flip a coin on any given day on which one's better than the other. Okay, uh, that said, I think that right there, just the the highlight, the spotlight on the kickers makes special teams important in this game, but also. Oklahoma had the kickoff return for a touchdown against Kansas State last week. The Wildcats run that back. Now, there's extenuating circumstances there because the you had the, the penalty. penalty and you're kicking from 15 yards back. So all that sets that up. To, but still, they ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. Also, Texas, they gave up some yards on special teams. I mean, they, they didn't um, – TCU didn't run a kickoff all the way back for a touchdown, but they they had a couple of really good kickoff returns that put the Horn Frogs in plus territory. But also Texas recovered a fumble. You know, Texas special teams recovered a fumble on a punt last week. So yeah, I think I think I think this is going to be. You and I were talking off air before we recorded. I think this is going to be an incredibly close football game. I really do. And whenever you're talking about incredibly close football games and the point spread is a field goal, yeah, special teams are going to play a factor. <laughs> I think Michael Turk, a name that you mentioned earlier on this podcast, has a bigger impact than we might like for him to have. And it, well, it, it Oklahoma, down... ha- if you're sorry, if you're but if you're talking about special team advantages, mm-hmm. uh, there it is for Oklahoma right there. And the, the he Michael <laughs> Turk can flip the field. No, and I wholeheartedly agree, but I also seen I've seen what Texas has done in the return game, specifically on punts, not kickoffs. Yeah. Specifically on pumps, pumps, punts with the ability to negate a kicker who can flip the mm-hmm. field with a 30 plus yard right, return. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Special teams absolutely will play a role in this game. Will it be a positive role is the question that I'm asking at the moment or will people be left scratching their heads? crying on on national TV during this game as we've so often seen. So, Matt, back in July, my last true or false question here for you. Back in July, a rule was implemented in the Big 12. Uh, so, true, you had you forgotten about no, this? No, I just – I'm still – every time – this just on, – on the level of annoying, this rule is like – well, this – the whole – the rule, the momentum, everything about this is off the charts annoying. But go ahead, please. True, yeah, true or false. Oklahoma will receive one, at least one. Let's set the over-under at one um, taunting penalty. I'm going to say false because here's the reason why. Because I think it's going to be a close game. And and the last thing 
Lincoln Riley and this team want to do is give Texas 15 yards over stupidity. Now, the stupidity is not going to be on Oklahoma's side. The stupidity is on the, the, this whole rule. That's stupid. And, and I can't wait for Texas to get to the SEC and they try to make this a rule in the SEC. And they're going to be like basically shown the door in this meeting. But for right now, you got to deal with it. So the way I understand the rule is if you do it on your sideline with your players, not at the fans, not at the players, not at the Texas players, then you're okay. So I think, I think League and Riley is very much saying to his guys, the horns down is going to happen on our sideline with our fans. It's, it, yeah, there's, there's a lot of gray area. There is, because but my understanding is if it's a celebratory act and it's not directed or prolonged, you're okay. Doesn't yeah, matter where. But it's that's going. what I'm saying is I think Lincoln Riley because it's there's a gray area because it's it's open to an interpretation. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley, like guys, we're gonna be safe on this. It's gonna happen on our sideline with our play, or unless it's like Trey Brown, you know, the last play of the game, you get an interception. You know, have fun with it at that point. But with this game, in my opinion, being really tight. Now, if it's 63 to 14, give me two or three of these penalties. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's. 35 to 31, I, I don't want any of them. I don't want any penalties. So you're saying we can see them before? We know there's going to be jawing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We can see it before the game? No consequence? I don't I don't think – see, it's like basketball. Once the officials take the field, they, they control the game. And you've seen it before, mm-hmm. even in That's this game. Asking. Even in this game where both teams, both benches are given one personal foul. Every player on the on the Oklahoma team, every player on the Texas team, it's a personal foul. Now you get another personal foul, you're ejected. So I, that's a situation where it could, it, <laughs> it, but it would be, I think, on both teams. Mm-hmm. But again, it's so stupid. It just, it's so stupid. Um, anyway, so that's it for uh, for true or false. Now Rich has got me like my blood's boiling and my eyes are twitching. Because this is just so stupid. This is going to be one of the better parts of, of these teams moving to the SEC because Texas can't do this crap in the SEC. It's just not going to happen. And so they're, they think they're the big dog. They're going to go in and, and be – you know what? Once you go over sit in the corner with Texas A&M and think about what you've done, that's what's going to happen to Texas in the SEC, and I cannot wait for that. We've got to break down Oklahoma's defense against Casey Thompson and the Longhorn offense. We'll go through the Big 12 rundown, and then we'll close out the podcast. You probably have already heard this by now, but Casey Thompson will be the first Texas quarterback from the state of Oklahoma to start against the Sooners in the Red River rivalry. Not only that, I think he's, if I understand it right, he's the first Texas quarterback from the state of Oklahoma, period, to start for the Longhorns. So big, big kudos there for Casey Thompson. And I don't know, did you see the story? This last week they broke out um, 24-7 sports, Parker Thune, I think, who it was, about how Casey Thompson almost came to OU like after he had already gone to Texas. And and Charles Thompson, his dad, actually admitted that not only after his first season in Austin, not only did Casey Thompson enter the transfer portal, which everybody knew. I mean, everybody knew that. But not only did he enter the transfer portal, he enrolled at the University of Oklahoma. So he was almost a Longhorn and a Sooner, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Casey Thompson, it, this offense is is different with him. The 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 offense is working with Casey Thompson uh, in a way it wasn't working with the Hudson Card kid, and a lot of that's just because Hudson Card's so so young. Um, but he's not the key to, in my opinion, 
He's not the key. He's an X factor, but he's not the key to this to stopping this Texas offense. The X factor is is a guy that can in various ways beat you that you didn't expect. The key is the guy that's going to beat you if you don't stop what he does best, and that's B. John Robinson. They have to stop B. John Robinson. That they have to close off this running this running game, and that starts by dominating up front at the point of attack. But when when you look at Oklahoma's defense. And the Texas offense, it is best on best, strength on strength. It is the Texas running game against this defensive front of Oklahoma. And to me, Rich, I kind of preluded to this earlier in the podcast. This right here is where the game will be decided. This matchup right here is the key matchup in this game. Bijan Robinson goes off, then Oklahoma is going to be on the on, on the short end of the scoreboard. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I do think defensively. Coming into this game, the focus will be on Robinson. It will be on slowing mm-hmm. down the rushing attack and putting this Texas this Texas offense into obvious passing downs. Your your chance and what we talked about during the true or false segment was creating turnovers. Right. Your opportunity for turno- turnover comes more when you're forcing Casey Thompson to drop back and pass than it will do when when they're handing the ball off to Robinson or even Roshan Johnson at this point. Two capable backs that you must account for whenever they're on the field. And then, again, forcing this this Texas offense into obvious passing downs by winning on first and second down. Matt, and I, I do believe that Oklahoma has the the talent to do that, we've talked so much about the pressure up the middle with a guy like Perry on Winfrey, mm-hmm. who demands so much attention. We really haven't gotten into the injury that happened on this Texas offensive line, which I think is is going to play a big role in how Oklahoma attacks this offense. More more importantly, how they try to collapse the pocket right. and get into the backfield and cause a little bit of chaos or havoc. There's plenty of talent. Isaiah Thomas can get there. Nick Benito can get there as that rush end or linebacker. However, we're categorizing him these days. I know um, I'm going to have to check on the status. It's Thursday while we're recording this. I have to check on the status of a Jalen Redmond, but it doesn't – It let me not say it doesn't matter if he's available No, I know what not. you're going to say, and I agree. What I'm saying is there's plenty of talent mm-hmm. and there's plenty of depth right. on the defensive line to fill the void if Jalen Redmond is not ready to go. But it all starts with Perry and Winfrey for me to allow the guys on the edge to move freely as he's going to absorb so much, so much of the attention from that offensive line. Yeah, and the injury you're talking about is Denzel Okafor, who's out for the season. Uh, Sarkeesian announced that Monday this week. Um, and and here's what it does. I, I'm going to mess up the names because, you know, the Kerstetter kid, I, I've got that one down. He's senior. Um, and he's going to move to left guard to replace Okafor, right? And then you've got a, and this is where the name I'm going to mess up, Andre Carrick. He's a redshirt freshman. He's going to replace Kersetter at at right tackle, so that you got a true freshman. I mean, a redshirt freshman at the right tackle. And if you're Calvin Thibodeau, if if you're if you're Alex Grinch, this is it. This is where you this is where you try to get the dam to break. And if you're Texas, I mean, you, you got this kid um, at right tackle. So that means if you're Texas, you're probably going to be moving plays to the left. You're going to move your your tight end to the right side to try to help with that situation. But a lot of your Bijan Robinson plays are going to go left 
Uh, a lot of your swing plays are going to go left. If, if he's coming from the right side, it's not going to be – I don't think Casey Thompson's left-handed, is he? No. Uh, so it's not going to be blindside to the quarterback. So you've got all that going for you. But, again, this is the point of attack. You overload that side, and, and what you do is you you have your, your defensive linemen, whether it's Nick Benito or Isaiah Thomas. They're on the redshirt freshman, but then you bring the blitz in behind them. And and that's that's the way you run this thing. And I, I I would be shocked if we don't see Oklahoma do something along those lines from the right side. Because that's that's where your point of attack has to be on particularly on, on obvious passing downs. I think on first down, second down, you play it straight up. You get to third and you're behind the change, you get third and six, you know, third and whatever where it's a passing down then you come in from that side. Is there a possibility that Sarkeesian completely surprises us? And instead of leaning heavily, everyone expects it, leaning heavily on the the rushing attack for the first drive. Uh Okay, I want to be very, very specific with that. For the first drive, comes out and throws the ball and tests this young secondary of Oklahoma. We say young. Yes, there's experience at the safety position. But when it comes to these cornerbacks, they're – for the most part, one and two on the depth chart lack um, twenty plus games of starting experience. Right. I you know I kind of hope they do because I think that that if you take away if you if you move away from what you're good at mm-hmm. to do what you maybe you can do you know you know I know I can run and I can give this guy the ball and I can get four yards but maybe I can get a forty yard pass. Hey, I'm I'm just saying Thompson had the three hundred plus yard game against Texas Tech. That's Texas Tech. I mean, <laughs> all due respect, that's te- I mean, I, who doesn't have a 300-plus yard game against Texas Tech? I, I think that that benefits Oklahoma more than it benefits Texas. But the reason why it's not a crazy notion is because Sarkeesian likes – he likes the – you know, chicks dig the long ball. That's what they say in baseball, right? He likes that home run version mm-hmm. in football. And so it wouldn't be surprising me to me at all if – on the opening series, if they drop Thompson back and try to go vertical. Um, and if you're saying it and I'm saying it, then, you know, they're talking about it in the coaches meeting over here in Norman. So it's, it's just a wild idea that Matt, we've seen so many anomalies in this game dating back to the, <laughs> the infamous paper, the infamous, Oh, that was 90, 99, I think. Right. So we've seen some of these antics mm-hmm. play out. And you know that this is a big game. You know that it has not just in-season implications, recruiting implications right. as well. And whatever you can do to gain an edge, these these are things that are being talked about. So I'm throwing it out there as my one random idea that if I'm sitting in the room as a member of the coaching staff saying, hey, what if we did this? Uh-huh. What what if we went against what everybody thinks we're going to do? And instead we we just change the script completely and we come out with a brand new identity for one drive, for four plays, for ten, whatever that might be. Right. Well, he wouldn't be the first no, Texas coach to outsmart himself. I'm just saying he wouldn't be the I didn't first. No, that's what you're going to say. Wouldn't I be the first guy automatically to, agreed. Wouldn't be the first guy to do that. I, I think, you know, obviously again, B. John Robinson stopping him that's 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 paramount. That's I think for both of us, that's number one. That is the key. But secondly, you got to get pressure on Casey Thompson, mm-hmm. and he is I, I I've you know this, I know this. I've known Casey Thompson since he was in the seventh grade. My son played football with him at Moore West Junior High. 
So look it up, Googleable information if you don't believe me. He went to Moore West Junior High. He played with my son. All that said, the kid in the seventh grade could put the ball on a rope if he had time. Mm-hmm. Don't give him time. If you if you if you pressure him, then you have to. That what you do if you pressure him, you have to do two things. Which brings me, I, I'm going to get ahead of myself, so I'm going to stop there. I'm going to say you pressure him, and when you pressure him, like a lot of young quarterbacks or inexperienced quarterbacks, mistakes can happen. Mm-hmm. And he had a terrible interception against TCU last week. Why? Because he was pressured. Uh, he had some really bad throws against TCU last week. Why? Because he was pressured. You got to stop B. John Robinson, but you got to get pressure mm-hmm. on Casey Thompson. If that, again, it's it, it, it's paramount. I mean, I I'm I said this about West Virginia. There were really no receivers that, that West Virginia had that scared me. Now I came back post game and said I was wrong because they had the one kid who just seemed to catch every slant pass that was thrown his way. I oh that's good. <laughs> the uh, the Texas receivers are a step above West Virginia, in my opinion. But they're not the best receiving class Oklahoma's yeah. going to face this week or this season. That'd be impressive if it if was this, this week. Right, yeah, this season. Were they so, going to pull people out of the stands? I, yeah, 12 men, Texas A&M. It's not like it hasn't happened before. Um, so all that said, stop B. John Robinson, number one. Number two, pressure Casey Thompson. And then I'll get into my numbers. I even have four. Yeah, but not, I'll get into three after, after don't, that. Don't let me elaborate on this too long, but we saw exactly what TCU was capable of. Mm-hmm. And Gar- Gary Patterson, the defensive mastermind that he is, was drawing up different looks, different stunts for this defense, for his front seven, in order to get them into the backfield because he knew exactly what would happen. Uh-huh. And it's a large reason why they were in that contest and, and were able to overcome the Texas had the three turnovers because I thought TCU turned it no, over. No, TCU three had three turnovers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we see the TCU turnovers, and there's still that's a five point game, right? Yes. That's a pretty close game in the grand scheme of things, knowing that you lost the turnover battle. And so I have to look at what what was the defense doing? What were they in terms of getting – you're talking about the pressure. What were they doing to get into the backfield? Because I, I take exactly what they've done, switch it up just a little bit, and cater it to the talents that Oklahoma has. And Alex Grinch has has the the, the potential to do that. He's He's not some dummy just sitting over here coaching this defense. But I do believe he's going to adapt what we saw from Gary Patterson to attack this Texas, specifically quarterback in Casey Thompson, and trying to get some of those errant throws. Needless to say, I think that talent-wise, Oklahoma has a lot more talent than TCU does. So I, I, agree. Ex- yeah, I expect them to be to be successful at that. So like I said, don't let me elaborate on, on it too long, but that was number two for me. Okay, um, so let me go to my third one, which is it's still Casey Thompson related, and this is where this is where you can get into trouble. You got to pressure him, but you have to contain him mm-hmm. because he can hurt you with his legs. They haven't used him a lot in the running game, and that scares me. Um, maybe because they don't, they're not a lot. There's not a lot of trust on what's behind him, but. I know it's a different coaching staff. I know it's a different philosophy, but we're going from an offense the last three years that where the quarterback was the running game, right? I mean, he was he was the man yeah. who ran the ball. Now we're going to a guy that is a better runner than Sam Ellinger was. He's not as strong. He's not the fullback type body that Sam Ellinger was, but he's he's shift he's more shifty and he's faster than Sam Ellinger, yeah. and that scares me. So 
you know, we always talk about Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley throwing in extra, you know, extra wrinkles for OU Texas. That's not act like Texas doesn't do the same thing. Yeah. And the fact that they haven't used Casey Thompson as a runner scares me because you want to you want to stop Bijan Robinson. Well, now you're running zone reads, focusing on Bijan Robinson. There's Casey Thompson, 15 yards upfield. You got to contain the kid. You you got to pressure him on passing downs. But even on passing downs, when you're bringing pressure, you have to keep him in the pocket. We've said this. We regularly say this. Let Perry on Winfrey do his job. Keep him in the pocket. Don't let him escape and bring that pressure up the middle. Perry on Winfrey will occupy two or three blockers. Someone else is going to come up the middle. This is huge for Casey Thompson on passing down. So you bring that pressure, but you bring it up the middle so you can keep him in the pocket. So I think pressuring Casey Thompson and keeping Casey Thompson in the pocket, two different things, but they both must be done. My, my number three, Matt, is the most obvious one, um, but I'll get into why, and it is to create turnovers. Okay. This is an Oklahoma defense that we saw last week in position to make turnovers, simply didn't secure them. You see, was it Billy Bowman? One go right through his hands. Key Lawrence. Key, Key Lawrence, Lawrence had one as yeah, well. And there Jayden were two. Davis. Okay, yeah. Jaden Davis and uh-huh. Key Lawrence. Um, obviously going right through their hands, those were catchable. That was a turnover. One I excused, but if your hand hits it, I'm saying you had a chance. Uh-huh. When I'm looking at the conversation that I've had during this whole podcast, it's it's been about creating more offensive possessions. Not only are you looking to gain momentum in this game, but to create more offensive possessions, it, it's going to have to come by virtue of the turnover. And I do think that that is more, as we've talked, that is a, a, a possibility more in the secondary than it is from the front seven. I'm not saying it won't happen. It's just fumbles seem to be rare with the caliber of running back as that, that Robinson as well as Johnson are. So the secondary has got to secure those turnovers, gain the momentum, put the ball back in, in Spencer Rattler's hand, and let this efficient offense go back to work. Turnovers will be key. Yeah, and that's my last one. So I, I'm, I'm not going to add to it because four, number four for me was you got to secure. You got to keep – my actually what I said was you got to keep the streak alive. You know, five games this season, 12 games all, all together. Make that six games this streaking. season. Yeah, 13 games all together. Keep that turnover streak alive because, like I said, for Oklahoma's offense, those are big momentum shifts mm-hmm. with this crowd, with the electricity in this crowd. Those moments are huge, so you got to keep the turnovers. You know, as much as I've talked about the offensive possessions, Oklahoma, have you looked at the time of possession, the average time of possession? I know it doesn't favor Oklahoma. It's above 30. Well, okay, you're talking about all together for the yeah, for the season. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I would have to go back and and break those down. Mm. It gives me a season number. Um, the stat page that I look at gives me a season number. Does not give me a game by game breakdown. Gotcha. I go to ESPN and would have to pull those individually, which is a lot of work in in a moment when you're talking about it, and you would just be sitting there in silence. So we're not going to do that right now. I thought you were going to say which is a lot of work, and I just don't want to do it. No, no, I, no. I, thought, I thought that's where you were going. Uh, offensive, excuse me, defensive players to watch. For me, it's Perion Winfrey. I've already mentioned it. You just got to eat up the middle. Perion Winfrey. There, there's. We saw Isaiah Thomas really rise to stardom in this game last year. Yeah. And I, I think between 2019 and and 2020, I think Oklahoma sacked Sam Ellinger like 15 times between those two seasons. Um, they gotta they gotta keep that pressure. And where we've seen guys like Isaiah Thomas come to stardom in this game, 
I think Perrion Winfrey, not something that's going to show up on the box score, but the dominance will definitely show up on the field. He has to be like he was against Nebraska. He's got to be that guy that they just all focus on right there in the middle. Um, so Perrion Winfrey is my guy to watch defensively just because of what he can make happen in the middle of that of the play. Instead of going up front, which I love the pick, by the way, I'm going to go on the back end of okay. this and look at Billy Bowman. Um, you look at a guy who can be a roamer, but you look at a guy who is also lengthy. And Matt, we've talked about the range of some of these players that Oklahoma has been recruiting. Billy Bowman fits right into that mold. And when we're looking at a guy who has the potential to be anywhere at any time on the field, it's it's him undoubtedly and largely because of his athleticism. Billy Bowman stepping into this role, stepping into this game for the first time. I think he knows what's on the line. He grew up around oh, yeah. this game um, and then coming across the border, becoming an Oklahoma Sooner. I, those are the types of players. Well, that don't forget, he was once committed yeah, to Texas. Those are the types of players that, that typically play with a chip on their shoulder. And so I look at Billy Bowman as a playmaker. I look at him as as really being the anchor of this secondary in this game. And so he's a guy, even if his name doesn't show up in terms of turnovers, he's a guy I think that's going to have to deliver more often than not. And so he's, he, if we're talking about not necessarily a key player, but a player to watch, mm -hmm. it's Billy Bowman for me, undoubtedly. And what I'm curious about with, with Billy Bowman is what does what's the status of DTL for this game? Because I was under the impression that he was good to go. Um, that he was good to go last week in Manhattan, but then all of a sudden you find out, nope, he's not there. What is what what is DTL looking at this week? If he plays, I think that helps Billy Bowman. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, I think it helps with the pressure of the situation. Yeah. It helps with with game management as far as where he's supposed to be and so forth. If DTL doesn't play and you're back to like Justin Broyles or whatever, I, I think that puts more pressure on Billy Bowman. And again, you're right. It's a, it's a big impactful moment for the kid. But I think the presence of DTL probably helps him in that moment. I can tell you at this point in time, just pulling up an injury report, a list here, I do not see DeLaren Turner yells name. Um, Woody Washington still listed there out of the secondary. Kendall Dennis. What about Danny Stutzman? Danny Stutzman is still listed there as well. And, of course, the ones that are out for the season. Jalen Redmond, who we've mentioned, um, out indefinitely is what's next to his name. So he's he's out, which, of course, is going to give way to some some younger players who have had an impact like a right. Reggie Grimes. Uh, yeah, Reggie Grimes about, has been fantastic. That's what I'm saying yeah. about the depth there. There's no concern for Everybody me. talks about Nick Benito's 70-yard fumble recovery last mm -hmm. week, but Reggie Grimes caused the fumble. Exactly. You know. All right, so uh, give me um, a bold prediction for the defense. The bold prediction for me. I've only got one, so if you got more than one, that's okay. I feel like we're going to have the same one. Uh-oh, here we go. Let's see what happens. Um, because I said this last week, and it centered around a singular individual, and that was when we looked at Kansas State, if mm -hmm. Deuce Vaughn rushed for 100 yards, mm -hmm. Kansas State generally found themselves in a good position to win that game, right. if not win it. I'm saying the same thing about Robinson this week, and that's Oklahoma will limit him to less than 100 yards rushing. You're right. We got the same one. Yeah, Bold prediction. I figured as much. Uh, yeah, I figured. less. I mean, if you look at the loss to Arkansas, it's the only game this season that he didn't run for 100 yards. Mm -hmm. It's also the only game this season that Texas lost. So there's a correlation it's there. It's also a tall task. It, no, it is it's definitely and, easier and, said and I than get done. When, when you're playing from behind, that helped Arkansas out in limiting what Robinson right. was doing. 
because Arkansas had built such a, a sizable lead. Mm -hmm. Now you're forcing the quarterback to throw downfield and you're forcing your offensive coordinator and your head coach to sign off on going for the home run play because you're playing catch up at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I'm there's, there's a lot at play for Arkansas. I don't know that that happens in this game. I don't know that Oklahoma builds some sizable lead. It's going to just be, be up nice to the defensive line to decide. Dude, to, wouldn't it be awesome if this them. is like one of those 63 to 14 games, though? You just mm -hmm. kind of sit back and enjoy. Drink I, your water. I, I don't think it's going to be. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that way. Um, we're going to do the Big 12 rundown real fast. Only three games this weekend in the Big 12 conference, and that'll be the close. Uh, but we will give you our score predictions for Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma and Texas will get the Big 12 conference slate underway on Saturday morning. We're going to make that the last game we talk about because that's the game that we want to give you our actual score predictions on. So if you look through the Big 12 conference, and I don't know why I didn't have these notes up and ready to go, Rich. Uh, there's, again, only three games. But West Virginia, Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, in my opinion, these games aren't easy to prognosticate. Because I, I think there's just so much unsaid, un, unknown. Like, for example, West Virginia, right? They come into Norman, and they uh, they play the Sooners within a field goal. Then they go home to play Texas Tech with a backup quarterback, and they lose. I can't figure out West Virginia. TCU, Texas Tech, same situation. I mean, I just – Texas Tech gets hammered by Texas – and then they go on the road and they beat West Virginia. They're just there's a lot here for me to 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 ingest. But West Virginia Baylor will be going at the same time as the Oklahoma Texas game, 11 a.m. kickoff. Fox Sports one. Baylor's two and a half point favorite. 44 and a half uh, is the yeah. over under. You already said that you would just destroy that over under, right? Yeah, Baylor's doing a lot of things right and. They're except up, for scoring points against Oklahoma State. I know, right? <laughs> they're putting up a lot of yards right let's not say points they're putting up a lot of yards on the ground and i know that they've got a pretty electric receiver so when we're looking at what baylor's capable of versus what the actual output against oklahoma state was it's baffling mm -hmm. to me i just know that there's they they have the potential to score and score in a hurry and that's something that we've seen come and go with baylor but right now i'm i'm going to ride that wave with them and continue on on track of saying that they can score a lot of points. And it's why I think this one goes over the over under. Okay. What about the two and a half, the two and a half, man? I, I'm sorry, West Virginia I got love for you guys, but I got to throw it to Baylor. And, no, I, I, and I think they cover. Yeah. Easily. That's the biggest thing for me. The mm -hmm. two and a half, give me Baylor two and a half yeah, all day I long. They cover I do have, I, I, I agree with you. I think it goes over. I'm way less confidence, confident in the over under, because of the struggle that both teams had to score mm -hmm. last week, particularly in the first half. But that that two and a half with Baylor locked that in. That's my if I was to do a prime, you know, lock of the week, that that's where I would go yeah. right there. TCU at Texas Tech, the night game on ESPN, six o'clock kickoff. Red Raiders are, are two point underdogs at home. Over under on this one is 60 and a half. What are your thoughts? Um, that's a lot of points <laughs> initially. Um, Matt, I, I don't know that these are two teams that will eclipse the 60 point mark together. I know that there have been struggles. I, I know that defense for TCU obviously has, has been the one thing 
that has remained constant for them and has given them the ability to overcome right. a lot of those turnovers. But knowing that those turnovers are going to be there, like I said, it's it's hard for me to say, yeah, these two teams are, are going to eclipse that, even with Texas Tech on the field, okay, even with Texas Tech on the field. I think this one goes in favor of TCU, but I think it's I, – I think TC, TCU covers because I think they win by a touchdown. I just don't think they score 60 points together. Well, I'm going to agree with you on the uh, on the over under. I think this, I, I think it's close, right? I, I think you're probably. It's you know, that point five that gets you. No, I, I, I'm going to just. I think it's going to go over. Okay. I'm just going to throw it. I, I'm going to. I'm going to be go on fine. completely you go with opposite it. sides on both of these. I think it goes over barely, but I think it goes over. Because I think this is going to be a around a 35 to 28 win for Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech wins okay. it at home over TCU, and 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 I think that's you know obviously you're you're two point underdog and you win it and you win, then I think you're you're covering that spread. All right, Oklahoma, and then, Texas. And oh, good. Matt Wells keeps his job. Look, Mac is Wells is the one win. He, he's got him four and one. Hmm. I mean, he's he's he is needs this the one win where he's safe though. I think he needs two wins. Do you want him to be bowl eligible? Yeah, I, okay. I think two wins, and he gets he gets uh, uh, out from underneath the hot seat. Um, I still say Neil Brown at West Virginia is the the hottest coach as far as job uh, job um, job security right now. He no one's under more pressure than than he is right now. By the way, if you want to go down to Waco, you you can't get tickets to Oklahoma, Texas because the prices are astronomical. You can just go, you know, a little bit further up I-35 and go to Baylor, West Virginia for nine bucks. Just throwing that out there. Cheapest ticket this weekend in the Big 12, West Virginia at Baylor, nine bucks. Oklahoma at Texas, the sixth-ranked Sooners, the 21st-ranked Longhorns. Sooners are a three-point favorite. That line has actually gone down. It was three-and-a-half. Now it's down to three. Over-under in this game, 63-and-a-half. Where do you stand, my man? Based upon everything we've talked about, I, I still feel confident in the fact that Oklahoma is the better team. Uh-huh. Um, how that shakes out on the field is the big question mark for me because I have a little less confidence in that. I'm looking at an Oklahoma team that has struggled to score more than 30 points, and I believe a 30-point outing, like we said last week, a 30-point outing wins this contest. Whether that goes in favor of Oklahoma or Texas, that, that, that equation is going to apply to both of these teams. But I look at the efficiency, I look at the experience from this Oklahoma team, and I can't say that Texas can match that. Mm-hmm. So I do have to go in favor of Oklahoma for that reason. Um, but my score prediction is going to take the under still, as we mentioned previously on this podcast, because I'm looking at Oklahoma once again, just barely eclipsing the 30 point mark with another. My prediction was 31 points last week. Okay. Now I was pretty close, but I wasn't spot on. I'm still going 31 this week. I just think it's a little bit closer than what Kansas State, my Kansas State prediction was, was 31 to 21. I'm saying 31-24 this go. Hey, 31-24 is a, a good score, and I think a lot of Oklahoma fans would be satisfied with that. I I think it's closer than that. I agree with you on the on the taking the under, uh, but I've I think this game is incredibly close. I'm nervous about this. I didn't think I would be as nervous about this game a month ago as what I am right now, but I'm nervous about this game. I think it's incredibly close. I think it's a 31 to 28 win 
for Oklahoma, which would be right at that point spread. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't know. I would touch so the no, points. No Cameron Dicker. Yeah, I mean, if it, it was at three and a half, I would say you know Oklahoma doesn't cover. But now that it's it's at three, I think it's a push. I think I really think 31-28. So what you're looking at here, that's obviously that's not enough points to cover the over. So I would say take the under here. Um, oh, you oh you have something else to say? I have um, one question to yeah, ask you as so, we wrap this up. So I I'm nervous. I think it's a win. I think it's an uncomfortable win because it's going to go right down to the wire, and it could be a, a Gabe Burkich kick uh, to win it. And uh, and and that's uh, 31-28. That's what I got. My question here for you, Matt, is this. Does Oklahoma receive the kick in the first quarter to start the game? Okay, so uh, tell me what they do with the coin toss. Do they win or lose the coin toss? Let's say they lose it. Well, yeah, they they receive. And if they win it, they receive. So they receive it either way. Okay, (laughs) I do think. (laughs) Let's go for it. We we talked about this last week. I I do think that it's time to really consider that as an option. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing: is you got to score. Yeah. If you get if you take the ball first, you have to score. And, and it can be a field goal. You're okay with it. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. You just gotta put okay. points I on the board. Want, hey, I yeah, just put check. Points on the board. All right, that's the Sooner Nation podcast, Oklahoma, Texas, eleven AM Saturday morning. Uh, we'll be back Sunday evening to discuss it and give you our thoughts on it. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Boomer Sooner.